Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger. Going solo here on Sunday night. Jordan and I were talking about taking a little bit of a break from the podcast, but we're not going to do that because there were some reports uh, that we have to address about the Browns today. They also played a football game today, though uh, that uh, I would say is actually of much smaller consequence than some of the information that, that we got today from the Interact Report. And, and frankly, this game just, yeah, it didn't matter at all. Um, you know, I... I, I, well, a couple things on this game first. We'll get into the report, which is the main part of this. Sorry if I sniffled throughout this podcast. I did actually get COVID. Uh, so I'm currently uh, in my apartment. Um, roommate's not here, actually. So I've got a decent time. I'm totally fine. Uh, but I do have the sniffles. So uh, bear with me on that front. Anyway, uh, on the front of this game, two, two very minor points. Number one, anybody trying to use this game to push any agenda that they have uh, about the Browns, one or the other. I saw both sides today with the quarterback and, and and stop. Absolutely, please stop. You could not use the beginning of the game and, and start going on about, you know, Case Keenum and his completed passes and oh, how that means he's better than Baker Mayfield and the Browns should have been starting him. Or, or the flip side when Case Keenum made some just god-awful plays in this game and, and start using that as a Baker Mayfield defense. Stop. Stop. This was a week 18 game. Nobody cared. The Bengals had nothing to play for. They were playing backups. The Browns didn't have all their players in. Like, this does not count. You cannot use this game as logic for anything. I, I saw that from, from way too many Browns fans today. Like, absolutely not. We're not taking anything out of this week 18 game one way or the other. You can have your opinions be on one side of the aisle or the other, but but we're not using this game for any justification at all. I mean, how many times have we seen this with teams, you know, teams get like excited about like Matt Flynn's like last week performance and then they sign him to a big deal. And it's like, wait a second, that wasn't real. Yeah, because nobody cared in week 18, week 17 at that time. But anyway, yeah. And that leads me to my second point, really, which is I don't think we needed a 17th game of football, man. I love football as much as anybody. But as I was watching this Browns game and trying to get motivated to watch games around the league, oof. It was it was rough. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, hey, I'll take it. If the Browns were in it, I probably would have felt differently, but they weren't. So ugh, I just was not very motivated to watch football today until the Sunday night game, uh, which I have in the background on behind me because uh, it's for a playoff spot, which is actually interesting. Of course, the Steelers found their way into the playoffs, too. Like, of course, the Colts managed to blow that game to the Jaguars and let in another AFC North team. I can't believe that. Yeah, so actually, I'm... I'm upset about that too. I did end up hate watching that game a lot of it. And then I wanted the Ravens to win. Cause I was like, well, if they win, maybe they won't get in at least. And then now, now it's just a disaster. The, the big Ben's getting me in the playoffs. The Browns aren't, they won. So they were draft positions. I don't really care about that. They, you know, the two spots of difference or whatever it's going to be. I really don't think that's going to make the end of the world. Uh, or, you know, I saw some people, you know, that were really upset. The Browns didn't take the game. I'm sorry. Just like, it's not going to be that big of a deal hopefully uh i really really hope it's not but i don't think it will either uh so anyway i'm rambling i'm getting away from the the main point of this podcast which is per ian rapaport today that the browns are moving forward with baker mayfield as they're starting qb with the parties on the same page heading into the offseason sources set well you know i i can't say this is a surprise i as i said on previous podcasts. I thought the Browns were going to do this 
because there's really no other choice, right? Like Baker's, you know, he's only making 18.8 million, I think next season, which as far as, you know, starting quarterbacks are concerned is very low. And they just don't have any other options. The draft is terrible this year. I wouldn't want a single player from this draft. God, I hope the Steelers draft somebody from this. Uh, and God, I want to go into another side rant. No, I'm going to go into another side rant. Screw it, because it's Sunday night. It's the offseason now. We don't care. Uh, Kevin Colbert, I think, stepping down is a big deal for the Steelers. Like, he's been fantastic at his job. Say what you want, you know, about their most recent offseason that I didn't really get with the offensive line and stuff. Like, them losing their GM after this draft, I think, is something to, to monitor. I mean, they're going to be going through a transition period, you know, if Big Ben does indeed hang them up, which everybody expects. And... Yeah, I hope they draft one of these quarterbacks because I don't believe in a single one of them. Anyway, that means there's no quarterback for the Browns to draft, at least that I want. Free agency-wise, Rodgers, Wilson, Watson, I'm sorry, they're all pipe dreams. Uh, so, you know, unless the 49ers move on from Jimmy Garoppolo, who, by the way, led them to the playoffs today with a, a pretty impressive performance with the Rams. I mean, there's just not a lot of options that make sense. I mean, even then, I don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo would be – you know, a, a better option than Baker Mayfield for the Browns. I think he probably would be based on what we saw this season, but it's not like a slam dunk in the way that those those other names that I mentioned are. So, cool, we're running it back for 2022. That's exactly what I think, uh, you know, was go it's what I thought was going to happen because of the lack of alternatives, and I think that's what they should do. You know, as, as, I, as I've stated many times on this podcast, I don't think it's just the injury with Baker in terms of his struggles. I think there's mechanics you know, mechanical issues. I think there are decision-making issues, but, you know, number one, it could be wrong. And I hope I'm wrong. As I've said a bunch of times on this podcast, I hope I'm wrong. Um, I think, you know, you saw that, that there's definitely a ceiling in there last season in this offense and those other things can be worked on. They can be improved upon, you know, mechanics and all of that stuff. Now, the fact that it hasn't been through the first four years is, you know, of concern, but, it's not, you know, there have been plenty of players that have improved on their mechanics and stuff like that later on in their career. So I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. So, you know, as, as I kind of outlined on the last podcast, my position is this is what they should do. They should bring Baker back. Hope he's going to have a healthier year, see what it looks like. And I hope it works. I don't think it's going to, but I hope it does. And and when I say don't think it's going to work, I want to be, I guess, clearer about that because I don't think the Browns are going to be bad next year either. Like, that's the thing is it, it did feel like all doom and gloom this season, but it wasn't exactly that, right? Like the Browns went eight and nine this year. Like, yes, that's a disappointment. But if the Browns went 10 and seven, would anybody be calling this a disappointment? No. So they were two games away from going 10 and seven, right? I think, you know, COVID, once again, clearly impacted the Browns pretty negatively without, with the way the Raiders situation went down, right? That's one game where you're thinking, okay, that really was, a, you know, a circumstance that, God, I hope doesn't exist starting next season because the Browns got really got a raw end of that deal again, right? So, you know, there there's one game right there, and then you look at it, you know, you're going to lose close games. You absolutely are. The Browns got lucky in them last year. Or they didn't this year. But you look at like that Chargers game, this first Steelers game, the Ravens game where they had four interceptions, the Packers game where Baker threw four interceptions. And you're like, if just one of those goes the Browns way, like they're 10 and seven, like the COVID game. And then one of those, like 
they weren't that far away from being what we thought they were as far as a playoff team and all that. Right. Like, and, and you know, they were, I would say kind of average to, to below average in terms of injuries. I'm sure some more data will come on that in the off season. I didn't think they have, you know, tons of crippling injuries, but there were some weeks in the middle of the season where they were really banged up, you know, even in that chargers game, I'm thinking about, you know, when they were down all those corners. So Number one, I don't think they're like that far from being, you know, a, a playoff team again. And I think this roster is awesome. And, and, you know, highlighted by the defense again today, Grant Delpit again looked good today. Like Greg Newsom, like a lot of the core pieces of a, you know, a really good defense are coming back. And we'll get into which ones aren't coming back. But you look at that secondary, pretty much all your core pieces are coming back. Miles Garrett, uh, you know, and, and JOK who I think are the two best defensive players on this team already are going to be back. I mean, to me, you know, you, you're looking at a, a situation here where the Browns could easily have, you know, Baker could play at a bottom 10 QB level and they could still sneak into the playoffs. And what I think will, will actually be, you know, more likely is they'll play kind of more that middling level and they'll get into the playoffs. And so that's where I want to be clear about what I, what I mean by when I say it's not going to work. I don't think Baker Mayfield is going to play well enough where it's going to be like, Hey, he's a clear cut franchise quarterback. Here's the bag, $40 million a year, five year deal, you know, whatever it may be, you know, big contract extension kind of work. I don't think that is going to happen. I don't think we're going to just see like sweeping across the board improvements from him in terms of decision-making in, in terms of the accuracy, the mechanics, et cetera. Uh, I don't see that piece happening more. So what I foresee happening is the Browns, you know, maybe they're, you know, maybe they're in the mix for the division in the wild card again, kind of similar to this season, uh, you know, hopefully winning, uh, you know, another couple games and, and potentially sneaking their way into the playoffs there. And then it's a question of, again, what are your options? You know, are you looking to upgrade the position? Is it a franchise tag, et cetera, et cetera. And I, and I think the Browns may be in a difficult spot, but I just want to be clear about that. Like, I don't think Baker Mayfield's going to like fall off the wagon next season either. So, and I just think that the talent around him is too good. And that, that was part of the dilemma with this season in, in terms of why some people were arguing that they should have extended him before this season, which they turned, it turned out smart not to, uh, you know, for them, but a lot of people are saying, Hey, you know, the situation's great for Baker. He's got an awesome defense. He's got a, a great offensive line. Now we thought his weapons were better, but he still has, you know, two phenomenal running backs, you know, one of the best pass catching tight ends in a top tier offensive line. Like his, his weapons are terrible. Yeah. Of course you want better production out of, of the Browns receivers, which we'll get to, but you know, it, in general, his situation last season and going into next season, I think are both pretty good. So there's a high likelihood that even an average performance from him is going to yield success. And then it's going to be hard to say no. But, I, you know, that's a that's a situation we're, we're honestly hoping for at this point. We're hoping it's not a disaster. So anyway, overall point being that I, I, I do think this this makes sense. I'm not surprised the reports uh, came out about this. I'm sure the Browns wanted to, to quell, you know, settle things down after what was a tumultuous week in Brown's land. And, and that leads me a little, I do want to touch, talk about the Mary Kay Cabot article a little bit. Um, just because it was such the, the topic of conversation with the Browns. And I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of things can be true, but I, you know, this is one where, you know, having gone to journalism school, having 
you know, spent a little time around Mary Kay and some of the other writers, reporters in Cleveland. I think I do have a little bit of perspective on this. And she's even been on this podcast feed. I know Jordan uh, Zerm is, is closer to her and has had her on, as a guest on this podcast. But a couple of things. For background, first of all, Mary Kay, in my opinion, is the best in terms of information reporting on the Browns. She has been the most accurate track record-wise of local media. I think she nailed a lot of the OBJ stuff ahead of time. I think, you know, going back to the offseason when there were rumors about Odell Beckham Jr. being traded, she said, be careful. A lot of the Browns, you know, players really like OBJ as a teammate. I think she was on that. And I think, you know, we we can safely say that that she was also one that, you know, kind of was poking and prodding about there being some difficulties between Baker and OBJ that, that seemed to have come to light here. So she's been right on that. She nailed stuff with Johnny Manziel situation, which was more so when I was around her. She was the one that got that situation right the most. She was. I also happen to think that there are worse Cleveland reporters uh, in, in terms of both uh, the accuracy of their information and also their taste in general. So I know she was the one catching a lot of flack this week. I'm not going to name names because I, you know, I know people that work with them or I know them directly, but let's just say there are people that I know and that I have worked with in some capacities that uh, I think are a lot worse than Mary Kay at, at their job. So that's kind of the, the, the background going into this is, you know, where you're coming from, from my perspective. So, you know, you know, kind of how I feel, because that, of course, colors our opinions going to this. I'm sure some of you listening out there have lower opinions of Mary Kay than I do, but that's my general take on Mary Kay. Now, let's get into the the, the specific article uh, with Baker and, and Kevin Stefanski, because this got picked apart a lot. And I think, you know, it's there are a couple different things here. Uh, you know, it, it starts with the the play calling and, and Mayfield's issues with that. I think Mary Kay was very specific that she said Mayfield's issue, you know, Mayfield had issues with Stefanski uh, and they bubbled below the surface. Um, and then, you know, that he didn't feel like they always were putting him in the best position to succeed. That that she said dating back to October. So again, this is where you have to imagine there's some sourcing in, in there as well as potentially, you know, some of the stuff coming out of post Lions game that Mayfield felt that the heavy, you know, three tight end scheme did not play to his strengths. Like that's pretty, uh, that's not vague. <laughs> that's somebody saying it from Baker Mayfield's camp that that's how Baker feels like in, in that the discord escalated to where, you know, Mayfield would have preferred uh, Alex Van Pelt call the plays to me. That is um, not number one. If we look at the context, not surprising that Baker Mayfield would feel that way. And secondly, I don't think you can really question that a ton because Baker Mayfield openly in press conferences called the Browns, you know, too conservative, said that they, you know, that play calling wise, he he basically called out the play calling with Kevin Stefanski. Well, for what it is, that's what he did. So, you know, there, there are some details in there that are not public that things Baker did not say, you know, the specific stuff about the formation, the stuff about Alex Van Pelt calling plays. But is it that, you know, it, it's not a far stretch to believe that those things were being said behind closed doors. Um, and I think, that it, that makes it pretty obvious that the relationship between Baker and Stefanski would be strained in, in some way. 
Now, the other, you know, kind of part two of this that I thought, you know, caused some controversy was the the report that if Mayfield doesn't get reassurance that things will change next season, he'll consider asking to be traded. Now, if you read that carefully, it's like if, you know, he doesn't get reassurance that things will change next season, he'll consider. Like, it's a lot of ifs, maybes, yeah, kind of. Again, if we're reading between the lines here, this is pretty clearly somebody from Mayfield's camp saying that he's unhappy and they're trying to put pressure leverage on the organization. You know, when you're thinking about these articles, you have to think, okay, who's telling Mary Kay Cabot this stuff? Clearly somebody from Baker Mayfield's camp. And so Baker Mayfield can come out and deny it. But there's a lot of stuff here that's actually, you know, I think he felt like it was negative towards him. There's a lot of stuff here that's, that's you know, uh, Baker, you know, uh, trying to, not Baker necessarily, but, you know, somebody trying to actually be in his corner a, a little bit. And then, you know, the last piece, and I think this piece could de- deserve a little bit of criticism, is the rift between Mayfield and Stefanski wasn't necessarily evident, but more of a low-key vibe permeating uh, the offense. And I saw some people saying, okay, well, that's not really enough to report. And I get that. I get that. I think, you know, to me, the, the my guess as far as why that was included in the article is Mary Kay Cabot tried to get some specific, you know, she, again, from her sources was getting, hey, they're unhappy, they're unhappy. And she was pressing, you know, examples, give me an anecdote, right? Like those are always the strongest things when they lead articles. Oh, Baker, you know, like Aaron Rodgers, for example, with Mike McCarthy, there was an anecdote about how, oh, Mike McCarthy, you know, called a play and then Aaron Rodgers rolled his eyes in the huddle and said, we're not running that and ran a different play, right? Like that, those are the strongest examples. And I'm guessing Mary Kay was pushing for one of those. She didn't get one. So she put in, you know, there wasn't necessarily, you know, something evident, but just it was more of a low-key vibe, again, from her sources. You can argue that that's, again, then not worth reporting if there were no specific instances, but Again, Baker Mayfield called out the play calling publicly. So clearly there's something here, right? Like there has to be something where he's at least unhappy. Now, did it, you know, then how much of a divide there is between him and Stefanski, if it's just a play calling on the field thing, maybe that's all it is. Uh, and, and so maybe this, you know, this article does reach a little too far. That's possible. But I also, you know, everybody just outright dismissing it and and running to Baker's defense. Again, I would say, look at the track record. If you read between the lines, I think a lot of this stuff kind of makes sense and really isn't all, isn't unfair, I guess, is the point. I think Mary Kay has her job. I also think it's Baker's right to come to his own defense and say his thoughts on the matter. Now, I thought he was a little bit uh, callous in terms of the way he called out Mary Kay saying, oh, like, stop using me as a pawn to like put, you know, food on the table for your kids. Like there, Mary Kay wrote an article that again, I don't think was unfair to Baker Mayfield. You know, the, the times I think journalists are unfair is when they're, you know, demeaning somebody's character, stuff like that. Like that's not what this article was. It wasn't a hit piece on Baker Mayfield. It was simply calling out the fact that there's an issue between him and Stefanski that needs to be resolved. Like I, that, and in general, that's why I thought the, the, the reactions were, were over the top, but for everybody, you know, running on Brown's tw- Twitter to just be like, you know, to defend the quarterback, I was just kind of like rolling my eyes. Like 
it, you know, I guess there's a reason fans are fans, you know, short for fanatic, but I was just like, yeah, a lot of this, I don't know. It makes sense. It seems pretty well reported. I don't have a major reason to doubt Mary Kay Cabot. Her track record's pretty good. Like, might not be 100% accurate. Maybe it's only 80% accurate, but I I don't know. I didn't have a major issue with it. I didn't have a problem for the most part with Baker Mayfield defending himself other than the fact that I thought it was, again, as they said, a little callous toward Mary Kay Cabot. But again, you know, as I mentioned at the top, she's also my favorite of the, the local ESPN reporters as far as the actual information she provides. And so I may be quicker to defend her than, than some of the other people. So maybe that's, that's my bias coming into, I don't know. Anyway, all that to say, Baker is going to be the quarterback next season. I do think that he, you know, understands that he's, you know, not necessarily, you know, the, the for sure hundred percent long-term answer for the Browns. So we'll just, we'll have to wait and see how, how it plays out next season. But, uh, you know, I, I, uh, not surprised that the Browns are going that direction. And, and I expect uh, that, that they'll be able to at least surround him with a good roster. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. That leads me to my last thing, which is just, hey, you know, quick off-season rundown here, just, you know, as we get into this, you know, we're going to get into the draft. We're going to get into free agency, of course, full bore, but... You know, just so as we start to talk about this stuff, you have it in your mind if you're a listener out there. The Browns, you know, the beauty of not extending your quarterback and only paying him $18 million is that that frees up a lot more money. So, you know, they extended Teller, they extended Batonio, but they're still going to have $36 million in cap space. And honestly, that's probably underselling it because if they cut Jarvis Landry, they're going to be up to $51 million in space. They, they say, you know, they save about $15 million by doing that. I expect that to happen. I love Landry, but I expect that to happen unless he's willing to restructure his deal in some way. He's massively overpaid for the production he's, he's providing right now. And then, you know, the other thing is Keenum is backup quarterback. You get rid of him. You save roughly $6 million as well. Uh, you need to replace him, which, you know, it goes without saying, but that, that would bring you up to 57 million in space. Now, of course, there's also the, the idea of before you go to free agency, you got to take care of your own guys first, right? So who are the guys the province need to take care of? I think the, the top of that list is Denzel Ward. We'll be looking at an extension this off season, you know, 18, $19 million a year. I'm guessing is, you know, what he'll command. We'll see what that comes in as, but I do expect the Browns to sign him. Uh, they need to re-sign David Njoku. I think that's pretty clear. He was 
their best pass catching weapon in general this season, forget the tight ends. I was going to say tight ends, but across the board uh, and they're going to have to bring him back. And then there is the issue of Jadavion Clowney. I know a lot of Browns fans want them to resign Clowney. And I agree, you know, largely with Browns fans, but a couple things to know. Clowney said this as much in his post-game press conference, but we know this about Jadavion Clowney before. And he said the money will determine where he goes next. Jadavion Clowney's had some really high asking prices in the past as far as where he goes. Uh, you know, again, the Browns have money, but you know, the odds Jadavion Clowney stays this healthy and produces this well again are not insanely high. So, you know, if they let him walk because it's a pretty high price, I'm not going to like throw a fit either. I think either way, the Browns actually need a defensive end because again, I don't think you can count on Clowney to stay healthy. And even if he does, remember they lost Dak McKinley, he's done. He's a free agent too, but they're not going to bring him back with a torn Achilles. So they need a depth. Like you have to have depth. I mean, coming into the season, we talked about, you know, sliding Clowney inside at, at times as a pass rusher, which is where he's been really effective too. So I, I think, you know, either in the draft or free agency, they've got to, even if they bring in Clowney, they've, they've got to bring in somebody else too. I just, I don't want it to be Clowney with not a lot behind him next season. I just, I'm sorry. The track record's just not good enough that he's going to stay healthy. Uh, there are some other, you know, free agents uh, is, you know, there, I think there's 19 in total. Some guys, you know, that you would you know recognize as starters, Anthony Walker, of course, only signed a one year deal. Malik Jackson, the veteran who I wouldn't be surprised if the Browns don't bring back. Uh, Ronnie Harrison, uh, who I also wouldn't be surprised if the Browns don't bring back and Rashard Higgins. Those are kind of the guys that got, you know, the most starter time this year. There, there's a number of other guys as, as well. Um, and just quickly off the top of my head, as I was thinking about this roster, you know, the obvious offseason need is receiver. I think everybody wants the Browns to draft a receiver. I will say this. I am, I will already put this out there. I'm not going to panic if the Browns take a receiver in the second round instead of the first round. Like, I know all the Browns fans out there want, and me included, want a receiver in the first round. And I think they should likely take a receiver in the first round, knowing what I know about the class just off the top of my head. But, you know, the, the Browns do have other needs besides wide receiver guys. I know it's frustrating how bad the wide receivers have been, but there's also free agency too. Don't forget that. So anyway, that's just one, you know, point that uh, that I'd like to throw out there is it's not like wide receiver or death in the first round though I do think that's the likely the direction it will go some other things they need you know they need a tackle guys Jack Conklin's hurt and even if he if he was fully healthy they probably need a tackle because again look what happened this season when you know there were injuries they do not have enough depth at that position and I know part of that was because Chris Hubbard went on a high R before the year started but God, do they need to bring in somebody reliable at the tackle position, uh, you know, that can be a hybrid starter backup for them. Uh, I, I mentioned D-end, and I think D-tackle, too, is a legit conversation. I mean, Malik McDowell had a, a solid year, but he has his weaknesses in his game, and Malik Jackson had a disappointing year for the most part. And so, you know, they drafted Togi I. They've got some other young bodies in there. Uh, I know it's not a position the Browns value a ton, but that's another place where I could see them looking. So, you know, all sorts of depth pieces. In general, this roster is very well put together. 
you know, outside of the the glaring need at receiver, I don't think, you know, they they need to stretch themselves in any one direction by any means. But we'll we'll get into all that uh, you know, more so. I think it, again, it's it's reductive, but I think a lot of the Browns, you know, that what they really need to be focusing on in the offseason is hey, how can we get Baker Mayfield to perform better? Because you just look around the league, that's what's winning right now. So they, you know, that's that's what we will hope for uh, from the Browns this offseason. But that'll do it for this episode of the rebuild. Uh, kind of a, a little bit of a ranting episode here, guys. But I, you know, there, I just wanted to get to that. The news about Baker returning and just kind of set the table for the offseason uh, when we're going to get into much deeper discussions. We're going to start having a lot more guests on again in the offseason. I didn't have as many on during this regular season, uh, just with frankly, it, it being pretty busy and difficult to schedule them. So we'll have more guests on this offseason. We'll get into the trades. We'll get into the free agency stuff. And I do want to start a discord for the podcast as well. So if you're a listener, you're interested in the discord, I want to make it. I don't want to say exclusive, but a little bit as far as like, I want to not have the cesspool of Brown's Twitter. Like I love Brown's Twitter. I love going there for the pulse of the fans sometimes, but it's also hard to have a productive conversation on there sometimes. So if you're interested in being part of the discord DM me uh, and maybe we'll figure out some rules for it. I, I haven't totally looked into to yet, but that's just a, a thought I had. So anyway, Brown's fans, it's a sad time. The season is over. The team went eight and nine this year, but you know, as disappointing as it was at times, I'll also be sad, you know, in two weeks time, you know, maybe not next weekend, but in two weeks time to, to not have Browns football anymore. It's a, you know, you only get 17 of the games. So that, that part is tough. We'll have a long wait until Browns football is finally back. And, and that wait begins now. So lots of exciting talk to come, but, you know, I uh, appreciate everybody that's listened this, this entire season and, and we'll, we'll chat more soon through the off season. So until then Browns fans, two words for you, go Browns. <laughs>